uh, about something uh, that's really mentioned throughout the Bible. And if you're a guest today, uh, and the last message that you heard in a Baptist church was about money, and now you're back today, very excited to be back in church, and the guy's preaching about money, hang in there, because I'm going to take us to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is in the Old Testament, and I'll tell you how to get there in just a minute. But first, have you ever uh, seen warning labels on products? It could be something mechanical, it could be medicine. Typically, products and things have warning labels. Well, I found some funny ones, at least I think they're funny. I've got a twisted sense of humor. And online this week, I found these four warning labels. These are real, real labels on real things. I found a prescription bottle from the Eckerd Drugstore, and uh, they had issued some medicine uh, for a, 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 a person named Parker. Turns out, Parker is a dog. And, uh, and here's what the warning label said. May cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify this effect. Use care when operating machinery or driving a car. I wonder about Parker, and it must be the, the world's most spectacular dog, right? The next one I found was from the Newcastle Tramway Authority. Obviously, they operate a train or tram system in whatever community they're in, and it runs on electrical tracks. And here's what it said. Touching wires causes instant death, $200 fine. <laughs> An equipment company, this I think is one of the better ones, uh, says, uh, warning, do not hold wrong end of chainsaw while operating. Which kind of leads me to wonder, how did these labels actually get onto products? You know how they got on here, right? It's because somebody actually did some of this stuff and they had to put the warning label. So here's my last one, which is, I think, kind of a mixture of funny, sad, and ooh. But here's the last one. This is from a baby stroller company that manufactures a folding baby stroller and the warning label says, not making this up, caution, remove baby before folding stroller. It's pretty good advice. In the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter five, Solomon, who was the wisest person ever born, wrote this book. So the Holy Spirit inspired him to write down these things that we will read this morning. And he is warning us He's giving us some warning labels about the pursuit of wealth. Now, this is a good thing because even Jesus in his ministry talked more about money than he did any other topic. More than heaven, more than hell, more than following him as a disciple, he talked a lot about money. Why would he do that? Probably because he knew that we as people, flawed, frail, and sinful, were going to struggle with this particular thing that we have to deal with, uh, the, the wealth and this pursuit of wealth that can become overwhelming. So today's big idea is that the pursuit of wealth can have harmful consequences. The pursuit of wealth can have harmful consequences. So let's take a look in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, there are two ways I know to get you there. Number one, probably the easiest, is to just use your index in your front of your Bible if you don't know where Ecclesiastes is. The other way you can do it, which is pretty good, is you just take your Bible, divide it in half. You should land in the book of Psalms. Go two books to the right, Proverbs, and then there is Ecclesiastes. That's how you'll get there. So Ecclesiastes 5, we're going to look at verses 10 through 16 this morning in our time together. 
here's what Solomon wrote. Now remember Solomon, when, uh, when, when God was going to grant him any wish that he had, Solomon asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased that he asked for wisdom so that he could rule his people that he gave him great wealth, great honor. The world came to him for his wisdom. So these are his words that were inspired by God. The Holy Spirit encouraged and inspired him to write these words down. And thousands of years later, we have the benefit of being able to read this wisdom that comes from God's heart through Solomon. Here's what Solomon said in verse 10 of chapter 5. He said, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. When good things increase, the ones who consume them multiply. What then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at them with his eyes? The sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. Verse 13, there is a sickening tragedy that I have seen under the sun, wealth kept by its owner to his harm. That wealth was lost in a bad venture, so when he fathered a son, he was empty-handed. As he came from his mother's womb, so he will go again, naked as he came, he will take nothing for his efforts that can carry in his hands. This, too, is a sickening tragedy. Exactly as he comes, so he will go. What does the one gain who struggles for the win? Let's pray. Father, in these Next brief moments, Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to receive your teaching? Father, you have promised us that your Holy Spirit is going to be our guide and that he will lead us and he will guide us into all truth. And so, Father, we know he is present in each one of us. He is here with us today. And so, Father, would you hide me behind the cross and would you allow him to speak to us and to your people and those that are watching online? For, Father, you have preserved these words from thousands of years ago because you knew that we would need them today. We're thankful for this, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first warning, let's just jump right into it. I've got five here in these brief verses. Solomon's first warning label to us about the pursuit of wealth is this, that the pursuit of wealth is addictive and it's unsatisfying. That's in verse 10. So let's go back and take a quick look at what he said. Let's remind ourselves. He said, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver. Folks, if a person is collecting wealth and they've got a pile of silver, what is in their heart as the next thing that they might want to reach for? It's not silver, it's what? If you've got bronze, you go for silver. Silver, you go for gold. Whatever you have is typically not satisfying. We want more, and especially as you gain wealth and you realize how to possess it and how to acquire it, there is this thing that fuels and feeds us inside, and we want more, and we want more. And it is this pursuit of wealth that Solomon is warning us against. He's not warning us against working and earning a wage and having good things. He's not warning us against that. He is warning us about the, the unhealthy pursuit of wealth. Is everybody with me on this so far? 
This is probably some of the most timely advice that we could have as a country because there are so many of us that have been successful in our America and we are probably living better than our parents and our grandparents combined and we're a wealthy nation, we're a wealthy family, we're wealthy families. And Solomon says here, be careful because the one who loves silver is never satisfied and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. It's about earning a little bit more. It's about grabbing a little bit more. It's about putting a little bit more in savings, a little bit more in the bank, a little bit more in my pile, and it becomes something that absolutely consumes. Benjamin Franklin made this statement. He said, money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. So don't mishear me on this first point. There are many characters in the Bible, many characters in the Bible that are people or were people of great wealth. God blessed them for their obedience and God blessed them for their, their righteous efforts at trying to live a lifestyle that pleased him. And so he granted them great wealth. That may be your story. Maybe your family is living extremely well today. You owe all of that to the Lord. He is the one who has given that. It's a gift that he gives to his people. So there's nothing wrong with wealth in and of itself. But when you pursue it and you neglect other things like relationships with a spouse or with children or grandchildren, and it consumes you to that point to where it's all you can do is to think about how you're going to make the next buck or the next idea, then it becomes a problem. And Solomon would say, beware, be careful. Here's my warning label. The pursuit of wealth is addictive and it's unsatisfying ultimately. Pursuing wealth, it means that I make wealth that idol in my life. And I pursue it more than I do my relationship with Christ. And that's where Solomon would say, we've strayed a little too far. Number two, the second warning that he gives us is out of the next verse. Verse number 11, he just hits us kind of in rapid fire, almost verse after verse. So the second warning that he has for us about the pursuit of wealth is in verse 11. And he says here that the pursuit of wealth often attracts the wrong kind of people to us. It's almost like a, you know, a moth to a flame, that kind of a thing. And here's what he says. When good things increase, the ones who consume them multiply. What then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at the, those possessions, at those things that he had with his eyes. So what is he telling us here? What's the warning in verse 11? Well, he's wanting us to know that the more we have, it attracts people that want our stuff. And it doesn't give that wealthy person a lot of rest because there's always somebody out there with their hand out. Somebody that's trying to work an angle. Somebody you know of people in your family, perhaps, that have come into an inheritance and then all of a sudden, relatives you never knew you had have come out of the woodwork for a, a nibble and a bite on the financial stack. Maybe it's somebody you know who's been successful at a business and others have come and tried to nibble. Jack Whitaker went into a convenience store one day and put $20 down and bought some of the Powerball tickets 
We went home, kind of forgot about him. They had the drawing, and lo and behold, he won the Powerball. Millions of dollars were instantly his. And as the story goes, Jack Whitaker owned a small business, and people began to call and email and to reach out with their hands out because they'd heard about his winnings, and they were asking for help. Pay off my house. I need a car. They had an endless list of things that they wanted him to uh, invest in with his money. And when he refused, the lawsuit started, and they began suing his company, and it kept him in court for a long time, battling people that were executing these frivolous lawsuits against him and his company. His granddaughter, Brandy, came to him, and she said, Hey, Grandpa, would you consider giving me a monthly allowance? And because he loved his granddaughter, he agreed. And Brandy began taking that money and together with her boyfriend began buying drugs and fell into the wrong crowd. And then one day she was found dead. A short time after that, they found Brandy's mother, Jack Whitaker's daughter, dead also. The police said under very suspicious circumstances. And here's what Jack Whitaker said at the end of it all when the money was gone and the people had come like ants to a picnic and nibbled everything away and then went back to where they came from and he was left with nothing. Here's what he said. He says, if you have something, there's always someone else who wants it. I wish I had torn up that ticket. He learned a lesson the hard way. Solomon warned us about this thousands of years ago when he said, when good things increase, the ones who consume them multiply. Number three, Solomon's third warning to us about the pursuit of wealth. Here's what he says. The pursuit of wealth will consume your heart and your mind with worry. Look at verse 12. He says in verse 12, the sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but... The abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. Why is that? Let's kind of take a look at this verse. Solomon is kind of painting this picture of a blue-collar guy or gal, and they go to work, they earn their living, they come home. Maybe it's been a good week. Maybe they've made a, a nice little salary. They've got some food on the table. Maybe it's one of those great weeks where they've, you know, they've maybe done a little bit of extra, worked a little overtime, there's a little more, and maybe the table's even fuller than normal. So they eat, and they go to bed, and he says, the sleep of the worker is sweet. But then he says, the abundance of the rich, that person that's got great wealth, he said, it permits him no sleep. Why is that? Because of two reasons. Number one, that person that has acquired great wealth is worried about two things every time he lays his little head down on the pillow. The first thing is this. He is worried about gaining more money. He's, he's sampled and tasted, and he's got this growing pile of wealth. And like it said in verse 10, never satisfied with silver. There's always something more. There's always something to be added to the pile. So he goes to bed restless and thinking about, what am I going to do tomorrow and the day after? And how am I going to increase this pile? The second thing that he worries about when he lays down is this. Who's coming for my stuff? How do I hang on to what I've got? How do I play safe with the possessions, this great wealth 
that I have amassed. Because as we've already learned in verse 11, when good things increase, those who want to consume them multiply. And so for the wealthy, there is no rest at night. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible existence. However, the person that has learned to be content with what God has provided, whether it's a lot or a little, they go to bed happy. They go to bed, get a good night's sleep. They wake up joyful. They do it again the next day. They don't have the same worries that the wealthy do. Keep your finger here, if you would, in Ecclesiastes, or just mark it with your ribbon. And let's go to Matthew chapter 6 real fast. I want us to go look at something Jesus said. Since I told you he talked about money a lot, let's go see what he said. Because he had something to say about this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus makes this famous statement. And he said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Because if you ask my wife, she will, she will nod when I say this. I will wake up, and after we have breakfast, I will ask, hey, what are we having for supper? And she's like, we just had breakfast. I don't even want to think about supper. Just said, well, I'm, I'm thinking ahead, right? I'm thinking ahead to the end of the day, and I want to know what's, you know what's for supper. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink about your body he says what you're going to wear he said isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing and then in verse 26 he said this consider the birds of the air they don't sow or reap together in barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are they not or are you not more important than they and the rhetorical answer is of course we are we're his possession we're his the sheep of his pasture, we're, we're the people that Christ died for. Of course, we're more valuable to him than birds, right? And if he feeds and takes care of them, he's going to feed and take care of us. We just have to trust that the provision is going to be there. Whether we see it or not, he has promised that he will always provide for us. You don't have to worry. We go back to Solomon's wisdom here in chapter 5, verse 12. And he says, the sleep of the worker is sweet. Why? Because he's not worried. God's providing for him, and he is content with a lot or a little, but God is providing. He's not going hungry. Number four, warning number four of our five is this. The pursuit of wealth can lead to hoarding and harm to the individual. Look at what he says in verse 13. There is a sickening tragedy that I have seen under the sun. Wealth kept by its owner to his harm. Proverbs 15, 27 says this, that the greedy man brings calamity to his family. The greedy man brings harm, calamity to his family. Um, Joshua chapter 7 uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Joshua has taken over leadership of Israel from Moses. Moses has died. Joshua is the new leader. They have entered the promised land. Moses couldn't. Israelites are now in. And they come across a little city named Jericho. Do you remember what happened at Jericho? Pretty fortified, right? And God gives the Israelites instructions about how they are to take the city. You remember this, this very unusual plan that God announced? Walk around the city how many times? Seven times. Blow the ram's horn. Blow that shofar. And then the walls will come down. You'll take the city. And that's exactly what happened. The, they did exactly as God commanded. But he also commanded this, when you go into the city, 
do not pick up anything. It's all mine. It goes into the Lord's treasury. Everything in there is consecrated to the Lord. So a soldier named Achan, who is running around the city, this broken down city of Jericho, uh, when this battle has, uh, has you know, gone the Israelites' way, looks around and he sees a beautiful, beautiful, expensive robe. And he may have thought, wow, that's worth a lot of money, or that would look pretty sweet on me. I like to wear that, lounge around my tent at night. And so he tucks that beautiful robe, that expensive robe, probably rolled it up, tucked it under his arm. On his way out, he looks over and he sees a pile of silver. And he says, that could do me some good. And so he scoops up that pile of silver. And at the same time, out of another eye, he catches sight of a gold bar and says, hmm, silver's pretty good gold better i'm going to take that too and so now he's got three things a robe silver and a gold bar takes it back to his tent nobody has seen digs a hole buries it covers the hole he got away with it except that balcony the one who sees everything saw what he did and because of that sin because he literally robbed from god the very next time that Israel went into battle with this little town of Ai, it's I, but it's spelled Ai, they lost uh, profoundly. And Joshua could not understand what's going on. We should not be losing this battle. And he had the conversation with the Lord, and the Lord asked him to bring families and tribes, and they cast lots, and they determined that Achan was the culprit. And so Joshua challenged Achan in front of the assembly and said, what have you done? And Achan confessed to capturing and possessing the beautiful robe, the silver and the gold. And they not only took him, but they took his wife and his children and his grandchildren and everybody related to him outside the city, outside the camp, and they stoned them to death. That was punishment for stealing and disobeying. And not only did they do that, but when they were done with that, they burned them. So it was a complete and total message to Israel, do not disobey God. Do not take his possessions. Do not hoard these things. They don't belong to you. And so when you think about all of this, hoarding, the thing that he did, and our hoarding of those possessions that God gives us, that's not how he wants us to live. He wants us to be known as a generous people. This is why in the New Testament you find a different standard of giving than what you find in the old. I have been challenged by folks that have said, you know, you can't find tithing in the New Testament, so therefore I don't tithe. But I would refer them to a number of verses and say, I understand you may not see that word tithe. Actually, it's in there because Jesus talked to the Pharisees about tithing, uh, tithing their um, uh, spices and whatnot, so it's actually in there. But the standard in the New Testament becomes this, generous, proportionate giving. And it's not giving just to, you know, to please God or to try to make him smile at me, but it is, it's giving because God was generous to me first in pursuing me and saving me. Now I give because I'm grateful for that, for his generosity. So the pursuit of wealth, it can lead us to become hoarders and it can lead us to harm not what God wanted. Number five, this will wrap up here. The pursuit of wealth is the wrong basis for happiness. Look in verse 14 of Ecclesiastes 5. 
Solomon says uh, that that wealth that somebody, this man had accumulated, it was lost in a bad venture. So when he fathered a son, he was empty-handed. As he came from his mother's womb, so he will go again, naked as he came. He will take nothing for his efforts that can carry in his, that he can carry in his hands. This too, Solomon says, is a sickening tragedy. Exactly as he comes, so he will go. What does the one who struggles, uh, what does the one gain who struggles for the wind? I won't have you turn there. But jot down Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verse 16 and following. Because here's what Jesus said in another parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man produced an abundance. And so he thought to himself, what shall I do? Since I have nowhere to store my crops. And then he said, I know what I'll do. He said, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And I will store up all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of good things. So eat, drink, and be merry. Take it easy. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be required of you. Then who will own what you have accumulated? Can you hear the similarity to what Solomon said thousands of years before Luke wrote this gospel? Same thing. Jesus is telling this parable about a man who had a lot and was getting even wealthier and was going to build even bigger barns to hold his stuff. But that's not why in the story that the man was losing his life, Jesus was just simply making a point. You're working really, really hard to acquire stuff and you're going to, you're going to die. You never know, but tonight you're going to die and that's going to go into somebody else's hands. You're not even going to get to enjoy it. And you have worked hard. You've worked your fingers to the bone. And guess what? It's going to get passed on to somebody else after you did all the hard work. The pursuit of wealth is the wrong basis for happiness. It will never be enough to make us happy. Solomon concluded this chapter 5 with these words. He said in verse 18, This is what I have observed to be good, that it's appropriate for a person to eat, drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days that God gives them. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Verse 20, he says, they seldom reflect on the days of their life. Why? Because God keeps them occupied with the gladness of their heart. You hear that? the gladness of their heart. It's not found in their wealth. It's about them enjoying the good life that God has granted them with whatever level of income and wealth that he has provided. So the person that goes to bed happy and content is not the person that's out there pursuing wealth to the neglect of his relationship with wife or children or neighbors, grandchildren, his church, the happy person, the, the content person, is the one that has learned to be happy with what God has provided. Hope that makes sense. This is exactly what Solomon would say if he could place warning labels on this pursuit of wealth. These are the five things that he told his people and God saved for us to learn today. So, how might you respond to this message today? Well, Solomon summed it all up in chapter 12 of his book. The very last thing that he wrote is this. Now that all has been heard, 
Here is the final conclusion. This is what Solomon says. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, obey his commandments. So here are some commands, three different commands, simple commands, that will help us apply these things that we have learned today, these five warnings. So here's, here they are. Letter A, be content. Be content with your possessions, always thanking the Lord for his provision, for what he's given you, and those good things that he continues to give. Number, letter B is to do not make money your idol. Don't do Exodus 20, verse 1, and put another God in front of your relationship with the one true living God. Don't put money and possessions there because they will ultimately be unsatisfying. And letter C, if you are going to pursue anything in this life, don't pursue wealth. If God wants you to have it, he is going to give it to you. That doesn't mean you don't have to not work. It just means don't sacrifice everything in your life to run after the almighty dollar. Instead of pursuing wealth, pursue him. Pursue that relationship with him. Some of you here today may need to start a relationship with the Lord. As we leave today, as we exit here, you're going to find staff and you're going to find people there that are trained to talk with you and to counsel with you. Maybe you need prayer. They'll be out there to do that as well. Or it may be that you're a guest today and he wants you to become part of this local body of believers called Eastwood Baptist Church. So if you have any of those needs as you leave, you'll talk to someone right out there. If you will, let's pray and then we'll conclude our service today. Father, we are reminded today of the incredibly uh, destructive path that so many people have put themselves on as individuals and as families, as they pursue wealth. Lord, they have done it sometimes to the exclusion of relationships, maybe even their relationship with you. It's become much more important than reading their Bible or being involved in a Bible study group or being invested in their church. Instead, they wake up thinking, how do I make more money today? How do I increase the wealth that I've, had, that I've got? Father, your word tells us very clearly it's unsatisfying to pursue that. So, Father, would you help us to be a people that pursue you and rest in contentment with whatever you give us, whatever home we have, the cars we drive, the clothes that we wear. Father, you know we need these things. And in your time, you're going to provide as you always have, as you provide for the birds. Father, you love us even more and you provide for your people. So we thank you for that. Ask these things in Jesus' name.